welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 52 of the Bloom Your Mind podcast. Y'all, can you hear my voice right now? I am sick, but I have been sick for a few days, and this is the last day that I can get this episode into my podcast editor. If I don't, I am going to miss the week that I make one year of podcasts. So I'm not doing it. There's no way that I'm punking out on y'all right now. So I'm going to keep this episode short to match both your tolerance for my voice today and also my voice's tolerance for speaking. Plus, my family is out at the grocery store buying groceries and also some like juices and stuff for me. And they told me, do not get out of bed and make this podcast. So I'm in here with a cup of tea with a lot of honey in it and I'm all bundled up and I'm going to make this podcast and run back and get in bed when I'm done. So here we go, y'all. Coming to you. Coming through for one year of Bloom Your Mind. So I'm dedicating the next three episodes to a different aspect of a single topic that is, in my opinion, among the three most important skills you can develop as a human being. Want to know what it is? It is connecting with others, seeing others, understanding others, even though they're different than you. These others could be the people right around you in your life, or it could be people you're just meeting and passing by at restaurants or in groups and just having conversations with. I'm going to start today by telling you a love story and share the personal lessons that I've learned from connecting with one person for 14 years. And then I'm going to talk about a thought leader that's doing some incredible research and work in this area. And that's going to pave the way for the next episode or two where I'll share more skills that are based more on like psychological, sociological research that's happening right now instead of on just my own anecdotal life. (laughs) But hey, they're both important, right? You get to hear the story that's kind of charming and hilarious. And then you get to hear all about David Brooks, who's brilliant and doing real research on this. So many of us think that we excel at connecting with others. What do you think? If you were to look at like a gradient, like a a line across the horizon, and on one side, it's like not good at connecting with others. And on the other side, it's really great at connecting with others. Where would you be on that line? Some of us feel like we're pretty good. And I would say that all of us have room for improvement always. Connecting with others and understanding different experiences and perspectives helps us bring our ideas into the world for many reasons, and it just helps us enjoy life more. So it helps us to bring ideas into the world by helping us to understand our audience, who we're creating for. It helps us build that empathy that allows us to design and create, not only in line with our deep passions, that flame, that spark of possibility that's in our heart and our mind, 
we got to put something out there. But also, it builds a bridge between that self-expression and others. It allows us to say what we are uniquely here to say in a way that will land with the people who are listening or watching or experiencing our ideas. Yeah? I have people in the Bloom Room right now who are designing businesses and the brands for businesses who are designing just new lives where they're moving to new cities and wanting to connect with other people. I have people who are writing music albums and trying to get different musicians to come and play on their albums, right? Every different type of project. I have people building yoga studios and wellness studios and other people who are just trying to be more themselves. I have people who are trying to inhabit their own strengths as a leader they don't look like all the other people in a group, right? So all of these are things people are working on in the bloom room and all of them require that we are able to connect with, to read, to listen to, to understand a variety of our of experiences outside of our own, a variety of perspectives outside of our own. That empathy allows us to design for others, yes, to connect with others, to listen to and truly know others, like Mr. Rogers. Have you seen that movie, Mr. Rogers? Can't remember if that's what it's called, but like when I think connecting with others, I always think of that guy. There's this beautiful person who would just listen so intently, listen to know others. But it also allows us to collaborate, to create richer versions of our own ideas by building on our ideas with the ideas of others. So that's how it makes our work better, right? Or the whole sort of foundational concept behind this podcast is getting your ideas out of your head for the ideas for what you want in your life or in the world, in yourself, in your relationships, in your creations, out of your brain and into the world. That's how connecting with others allows us to do that. That's a couple of the ways. But it also allows us to fill one of our fundamental needs as human beings, our fundamental deep longings to truly deeply connect with the people around us, to see them and to be seen. Whether we're talking about ones we love, people we work with, or people we're just getting to know. So David Brooks is a New York Times columnist who informed the episode How America Gets Kind with this article that he wrote. So go back and listen to that if you want. He is brilliant. And this book that he wrote that I've been reading is called How to Know a Person. And in it, he says, above almost any other need, human beings long to have another person look into their face with loving respect and acceptance. He talks about how these days, we are not in institutions that are teaching the skill of how to see another person, how to love and accept them. We've got social media where we have the illusion of social contact is what he says, where you don't really have to interact in a way that builds trust, that shows affection and care, but you can just sort of feel like you're connected with others because you're thumbs upping and loving, right? The things that they're putting out there. So he says on social media, stimulation replaces intimacy and there's judgment everywhere and understanding nowhere. And what I see is that we also tend, aside from kind of connecting on social media and feeling like we've checked that box, 
feeling like we're connected with people without actually sitting across from them and understanding them. We're also not building the deep connection that shows them that we see them. And sometimes we're not investing in building relationships outside in our life and we're kind of hiding away from them. Brooks says that human beings need recognition as much as they need food and water. There is no crueler punishment that can be devised than to not see someone, to render them unimportant or invisible. The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, George Bernard Shaw wrote, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. To do that is to say, you don't matter. You don't exist. I think this is so important. I've done some thinking and sharing about quiet quitting and how we tend to misunderstand boundaries. If you listen to the episode on boundaries, baby, it talks about how boundaries having boundaries, setting boundaries is not the same as ghosting someone, ignoring them, not responding to them in groups or on texts or text threads, or just pretending they don't exist is a very, very cruel way to interact with someone. And I see it a lot. I see it happening a lot under the guise of boundaries and self-care. And that's not what that is. Boundaries are communicating clearly to someone when you need space. And on the other hand, There are very few things in the world, Brooks says, as fulfilling as seeing and being seen. So we are going to talk about how to see and be seen, how to deeply connect with and understand the people around us. So here's the story I promised you. And then I'm going to share my own anecdotal learnings from loving one human being for 14 years. And then in the next episode, I'll tell you more about what David Brooks says. He's brilliant, y'all. And I learned a lot from this book. So I'm excited for you. Just buy the book if you want or get the Cliff's Notes from me. So my husband and I had four days together when we first met in the year 2010. Four days. I'm not going to tell you the story of how we met, although it's pretty funny, but we really saw each other. We were both trying not to date anybody else. We were both like, trying to be single and we someone set us up it was my brother my amazing brother set us up and on a date where we had both said no we're not we're not dating anybody and then he invited us both to the same place and we walked up to each other and saw each other and we both had that feeling of knowing when we looked at each other's faces like oh my god crap this is not going to work this is not dating people right now and then we spent 4 days together and we knew you're my person and then we were long distance for two and a half years after those four days, because he had got a big job running a creative carpentry department for Hurley in Orange County. And I was living in the Bay Area, leading innovators. So along that time, we would talk on the phone during that time. And we'd talk and talk and talk. And when it was time to get off the phone, we would say, I'll meet you in my dreams. It was something we had made up. We'd talk on the phone. He'd say, I'll meet you in my dreams. And then I'd ask, where will you be? And Max would say, I'll be lying under a tree waiting for you. And I was like, what kind of tree? So I need to to recognize it. Is it going to be one of those giant old oak trees with the branches that like hang so low, they almost touch the ground? And he was like, yeah, yeah. It's going to be one of those ones. Like the ones you drive by in Central California all by itself on one of those big rolling hills with the golden grass. I'm like, yeah, the grass like lion fur. And we built this vision together. 
that he would be under the tree playing a guitar and I would find him there in our dreams. So then fast forward, gosh, how many years? Was that like seven years from then? (laughs) We'd been through our long distance relationship. We moved in together. We decided we want to have a baby before doing anything else. We had our beautiful daughter. And then when she was about four years old, he drove me off into the hills of Santa Isabel. We left our daughter with my parents who were so adorably obvious about what was going on. He was like, you totally knew what was happening that day. And I said, yeah, I did. Because my parents were so adorably obvious. And we drove off into the hills of Santa Isabel and we found the tree. So we went off and stopped by the side of the road and we went over a mountain and we decided to look at all the signs that would help us lead us back to our tree in the future. So we passed a tree hit by lightning. We're like, okay, that's the first marker. We went under an arch branch that was like a naturally occurring arch. We passed a white cow that we decided was a marker that was going to help us find our way back and then passed a black bull. And then somewhere on a hillside, a few miles from the road, we found our tree and we sat under it and he asked me to marry him. So this past week, it was our eighth wedding anniversary, 14 years together, eight years married. And although we belong to each other for a long time, right? We always mark this wedding anniversary and we were doing again. We were hiking the trail that we randomly found nine years ago when we went off in search of the tree. So our feet were padding next to each other, kicking up red beige clouds of dry dust as we made our way up this hill. Nobody else on the trail. Cold, brisk air. And he says to me, Remember that day under our tree when I asked you to marry me? He looks at me sideways and has his sideways grin. And I gave a scrunched nose laugh as I remembered leaving our daughter with my parents, kind of knowing what was going on, but kind of like pretending not to or not letting on that I knew. And he says, I loved you so much back then, but I love you so much more right now. And I said, me too. I said, why do you think we work like we do? Why do you think we love each other so much? And we talked about it for like the whole rest of that day. That's a fun way to spend a day. And we saw some things that not only make our love last, but that make it stronger year after year. So I want to share those things with you today and share my anecdotal experience on connecting with one human being. And then again, next week, I'll share the research and the science around connecting with everyone. So the first thing that we realized on that walk is that we really see each other. I remember a long time ago when we were about to get married, I had a bachelorette party at a beach house with my close girlfriends. And I remember feeling nervous, not because of the commitment, but because of the responsibility of being the one who was going to witness this amazing human being in his life. My husband's mom passed away when he was in his young teens. And it felt like so much responsibility to me to be the one that was going to see him day in and day out, love him in all his strengths and witnesses. To me, to love someone as their partner, their parent, their child, their close friend, or their sibling is a huge responsibility. You have the upfront seat that nobody else has. And if you don't see what's amazingly special about them, nobody else is really going to. 
from that same close-up perspective. David Brooks says that how we come to know ourselves is by what the people around us see in us and say to us. And if you go back to the first episode of this podcast, You're the One We Want, there's a lot more on that from the philosopher Kaja Silverman and my own philosophy on how important it is to see the strengths and beauty in the people around us. So if I focus on the lack in the people around me, they are going to see more of it in themselves. And the entire trajectory of their life could be different, could be worse. If I take things personally or overindulge in anxiety or insecurity, I steal all of the light and love away from the people around me. I make it about me instead of about us. That's not to say we can't feel anxiety or insecurity. It means when we overfocus on it, and make it our excuse for why we're not present, why we're not there, and we do that too much, it becomes narcissistic. And it's totally human to do it. It's just that we got to become aware of it and pull it back. So my husband and I, we work to see not just the best in each other, but to adore the specific unique things about each other. And it may seem sometimes to people around us like we just lucked out really hard. I'm sure there's an element to that. Because we are really attracted to each other. We align on most of the big topics. We make each other laugh multiple times a day hard. And we also choose to make the other person's flavor of being our favorite. I choose to do that with all of my people. I don't want a different daughter than my daughter. I don't want a different son. I don't want a different mom than my mom. And on and on, right? I choose to make my people my favorite version of what that person can be because that's a choice. So for my husband, I love his tall, tall body, his presence. He's so present. He has such intentional movement. I'm fast. He's slower. I love the way he slows me down. I love the way he goes with the flow. I'm a big planner. He is not. I choose instead of to get annoyed by that, I choose to see that it's allowing me to have some more spontaneity and not plan so much. His hairy chest is everything to me, (laughs) y'all. Because what he is, is what I want. You see? I've dated all different people before. People from lots of different ethnicities, women, men, all different people. I'm with this human. And so he is everything that I love. That's the first thing. The second thing related to that is we know we're it. We let each other be enough. We're not looking for more. We're not waiting for perfection in the other person. We're not waiting for a bigger house or more money to be happy. Every day, at least one of us shares some deep appreciation for this life, the two little humans, the beautiful community, and the bond that we've built. We are here in this life together. We're not looking for something else. And when one of us talks, We don't ignore the other. We always acknowledge and respond. The third thing is that we don't hold on to hurt. We are both always ready to let go of a fight, to reach out, to connect again. And when a disagreement is over, it's all done. We don't bring it up again. We're ready to move on and ready to move on together. One of my favorite things, number four, that we laugh about is we are a love triangle. 
we are monogamous, he and I. We just happen to be. Neither one of us are interested in an open relationship. We are very monogamous, but we still are a love triangle because we each have independent and creative lives and careers. Those are two legs of the triangle. And that makes the third leg, which is our relationship, so much stronger. It really works for us. Not everybody's cup of tea. None of this stuff will be. But I'm sharing what works for us. Respecting each other's individual lives keeps things mysterious and sexy and exciting. And it allows us to keep surprising each other with what we put in the world. It requires a lot of trust. So we work to earn that trust from each other every single day. We don't take it for granted. We tell the truth. We ask questions. We share if we're feeling weird or insecure, usually through jokes, but sometimes not. We earn each other's trust and we allow each other so much freedom. One of the ways that cracks me up that this shows up is we do not catch each other up on our day, which again, would not work for a lot of people. But we don't say that I did this and then this and then this unless it's to make each other laugh or tell each other something important. Because we just want to be in the moment that we're in when we see each other again, doing whatever it is that we're doing. And that keeps it from getting kind of operational, you know? It also gets us into trouble when someone's told one of us something and expects the other one to know. And the other one has no idea, which happens all the time. (laughs) But we do it anyways because we love it. All right, almost done. I have two more for you. We respect our differences. We were talking on this walk about how we know that we're 50% similar and compatible and 50% complementary, like way different from each other. I know that the things that he can teach to our kids and be to our friends and create in the world are things that I will never be able to. He's way different than me in some ways. So we do things our own way instead of trying to be like the other person. And we let each other do things in your way, right? Like I let him do things in his way and I listen in to learn from it. I watch him to be like, oh, whoa, I never thought about that. Doesn't matter if I have more training in something or he has more experience in something. We look and listen and watch to see how the other person appreciates an experience, how the other person approaches a challenge. And then we verbally appreciate each other through questions or through comments or through jokes. We respect our differences. And lastly, we laugh a lot and we keep each other sacred. We prioritize a good laugh always. We always come first for each other. At any event that we're going to, we check in and we're like, you want to hang out tonight? Do you want to stand by each other? Do you want to go hang out with everybody else? What do you want to do? You're my ace. And when things get tough, we don't ask our friends to side with us and tell us why we're right. I actually seek out friends that will tell me what I'm doing to contribute to the challenge. We look for what we can do to make things better. We are very quick to apologize every time because we always choose to make our way back to each other. Because love is a choice every single day, no matter who your person is, no matter who your people are. Connecting with someone else requires that you can see them. You can tolerate their differences and appreciate their differences. Enjoy them. When we keep choosing to love the people around us, 
our relationships and our life and our ideas, they bloom. All right. More next week from David Brooks. I will stop talking now and go jump back in my cozy bed. Have a beautiful week, everyone. That's what I've got for you today. And I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.